Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Since we were moving into uh, Independence Day, um, we we're praying, we're starting a series on spiritual warfare. We decided, you know what? Sometimes it's good to go back um, to our roots and take this from a military perspective. So um, I was in the Army for uh, nine years, and uh, when we turn around and we're about to go off on a mission, we have briefings. And there's different style of briefings that all come in, but in this case, we're going to do an informational briefing. It's going to focus on the facts. And uh, briefings are important because it lets us know what's real and what's not. It lets us know what our dangers are. It lets us know what our resources are, what our tools are, and where we're supposed to be, where we're actually supposed to end up, and what can prevent us from going there. And sometimes we need to go back and make sure that we have our foundation laid before we step out moving forward. So... When we look, first of all, if this was a briefing, the first thing I would let you know is that all of our intel is current and it comes from the most sound resources. And that's because we're coming from the word of God, which is God-inspired in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Our mission today is pretty simple. We have a mission to ensure that the body of Christ he understands uh, the battle that we are in with our enemy. If we turned around and looked at um, past battles, you know, you had Revolutionary War and Civil War where they literally stand toe-to-toe in some field and just fire muskets at each other. And we look and say, how crazy in the world is that drama right there, right? And now we moved over to cyber warfare. As the wars change, tactics change, and we need to know how we're adjusting. Here in our mission, we have a mission right now to fulfill the Great Commission. So in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations and make disciples, uh, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Just as it was uh, once with us as we continue to experience, we're called to, com- uh, to fulfill this great commission by demonstrating the love of Christ. And the people that we are reaching out to in the lost are going to know the word of God, not just by our words, but they're going to know it by our hearts. They're going to know it by how we experience. Experience the same things that we 
first at one, one point experienced Christ in our lives. And that's the responsibility that we have. So if we looked at Mark 12, 30 through 31, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, this is the first commandment. And the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment that comes out greater than these. Let's not get it twisted. Our mission is hearts and minds. Our mission is to share the love of Christ. But guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, children of God, we have an enemy. And that enemy has a mission too. That enemy is after the hearts and minds as well. And he's after those souls. And in that he's after those souls, we must understand what his game plan is. We must understand what his tactics are. Because they are not conventional warfare. And let's not get mixed. We are in warfare. And the children of God have been under attack. Yet and still, the battle is already won. So our enemy, he can be known as Lucifer. You can find it in Isaiah 14, 12. Maybe known as Beelzebub. Matthew 12, 24. You can see him as the tempter. Matthew 4, 3. The adversary. Job 1. The serpent, you could even call him. And Genesis 3, 1. Yeah. We probably most know him as the roaring lion. 1 Peter 5, 8. So because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Children of God, let's not forget that our enemy likes to operate like a lion. He wants to isolate, and he's looking for whom he may be able to destroy when we're in our most vulnerable points. With our manual... Even still, we understand that within the manual, our Bible, the enemy comes and operates in different forms on this earth. And in those forms, we find in Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So in those forms that he comes in, whether it is operating in the principalities and the powers or the rules of the darkness, the spiritual host in heavenly places, it's important to realize that was like the perfect time to turn around and take a drink, right? It's, it's important to realize that these are all ranks within uh, the devil's army. And they all come in with different authorities. They all come in with different access to us. And you'll see manifestations in so many different areas. We'll see it in society as a whole, where we begin to see laws that are changing towards things that are contrary to the word of God, whether we're dealing with sexual immorality, whether we're turning around and dealing with um, how we see life, how, whether we're turning around and how we're operating and seeing with uh, alcohol, drugs, where we turn around and see how it's impacting us at work, at home, 
whether it is impacting us with our friends, our families that begin to come because children of God, let's not get it confused. This warfare is happening at our front doorstep. It's happening at work. It's happening at home. It's happening with those that are close to us that comes into place. And if we are going to turn around and win this battle, we cannot make it seem as if it's not all around us. We must be ever vigilant. It's important with the fact that our enemy has these forms of weapons, it can make appear to be kind of intimidating at times. But all we have to do is just remember who army we fall under. See, while our enemy may have those names, our God has certain names. Like Elohim in Genesis 1.1. He's known as Yahweh, which I am, which is in Exodus 3, 13 through 14. Abba, which is father, daddy, our daddy in Genesis 4, 6. El Elyon, uh, go ahead in uh, Psalms 7, 17. El Shaddai, God Almighty in Psalms 9, 91, 1. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, which is our provider in Genesis 22, 14. We look at Jehovah Nisi, which is our banner that falls in under Exodus 17, 15. The enemy realizes this too. He realizes that he's already destroyed so much that he is, one, disarmed and embarrassed. We can find it in Colossians 2.15 where Christ already triumphed over the powers and authorities when he died on the cross, shed that blood, and now we've been made righteous through the perfect blood of Christ. See, we know that the enemy's powers and authorities have already been uh, destroyed because they've been mastered when Jesus uh, said that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess in Philippians uh, 2, 9 through 11. We already know that the uh, devil's hold on death has already been rendered powerless, which we find in Hebrews 2, chapter 2, verse 14. We can turn around and look and say that the enemy has already been overruled when we look at Ephesians 1.20 by the a power of God that raised Christ from the dead and put all things underneath his feet. See, the devil already realizes that this battle is already lost. He cannot win. We further look at this because now he begins to look at our overall weapons. And say, now we understand why in the world he realizes that he is defeated. So if we turn around and begin to look at 2 Corinthians 10.4, we realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So in the midst of all of these demonic weapons that can be used against us, our word, our Bible, already has laid out that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not what's made out on 27th and Fond du Lac. No, it's already coming from a God-inspired, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The enemy also knows that in Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, not only are weapons, therefore we take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand on the evil day and having done all to stand, we'll stand therefore, having girded our waist with truth, and when we are having our waist with truth, the belt of truth is, is the truth of the promises of God. 
and also is cinching up all the rest of our armor. And when we're cinching up the rest of our armor, what we're saying is we're making a commitment to that truth. We turn around and we have the breastplate of righteousness. And when we look at the breastplate of righteousness, what we're looking at is this is what covers our heart where God has called us to go ahead and do, and all of our vital organs. And it's not our righteousness that was already inside of us, but it's the righteousness that came from Christ, which allows us to be able to be going to heaven and have that intimate relationship with God. Therefore, where there is no now any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it's because of that blood that comes in. Yet, and we look at having to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we have comfortable shoes, better than our Jordans, better than the LeBrons that come through. These are shoes that will allow us to be able to go wherever God is calling us to go, knowing that we are not alone. And to take the shield of faith, if we're going to jump, and take the shield of faith in which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, because the enemy is going to attempt to fire darts that are going to challenge our cross doubt and cause uh, lead to temptations. And it's the shield of faith that turns around and allows us to look and say, yeah, I know that what our faith is and it's the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. We turn around and we can look and know that what the enemy's lies are and what they are not. And we can take the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation, which is the word, uh, the helmet of salvation is a reminder for once we are saved of our salvation that, so that any attacks that the enemy will, will attempt to make and it'll cause us to doubt that we are in the kingdom of God, we are constantly reminded. And then we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is actually our one main weapon that actually comes into play. It's the most powerful weapon that comes in. The enemy knows that we actually have all of this. And since the enemy knows that he has all of this, he'll never face us face to face. The enemy is never going to just look you right at the face and say that you're defeated and that you're worthless. He can't because when your armor is on and when we are operating with the sword of the spirit, what can we do? So what type of enemy are you facing? We're facing, how many of you all have, remember that kid from school that was probably about 60 pounds, 60, 80 pounds soaking wet uh, in eighth grade, ninth grade, but had like the biggest mouth in the world. And it had the biggest mouth, I mean like big mouth. Sometimes where they're talking, they're just like drooling. Man, they always got something slick to say. It's always got something smart to say to turn around and just irritate you. They always got something smart to say just to throw you off your game. It's those distractions. It's when they knew that they could never face you face to face because as soon as you stood up, they took off. Somehow or another, they were behind the teacher because they knew what the deal was. This is what we're operating with. Your enemy is going to operate with distractions. Do not get it twisted. His tactic is to distract. His tactic is to um, isolate, distract, and to deceive. And through this, the goal is to get us to lay down our weapon. 
Because as soon as we lay down our weapon, which is the word of God, what are we going to combat the lies with? So for every form of attack that the enemy already has in place, when we looked at um, uh, whether it's the powers, whether it's the rulers of the darkness of this age, whether it's principalities, they all end up coming against the word of God. And we know this when we begin to look in, we know this when we begin to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Now we are casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So no matter what the attack may come about to be, it's an attack against the knowledge of God. It's not an attack against you. But that's where the enemy works to deceive. Because if our eyes and our mind can be on ourselves, if our eyes, our mind, our heart can be on what's happening to us, then our eyes are off of God. And we can look back with Peter and see when our eyes take all, leave God, what ends up happening. As he was walking on the water, he was amazing as his eyes were on Jesus. As soon as his eyes were on Jesus, I know where I'm at. All right, so uh, as his eyes were on Jesus, that was my mother concerned. All right, as my eyes were on Jesus, as soon as he took off, what ends up happening? Sink. So whatever he can do to get our eyes off of Christ, that is his, um, that is his main objective. So when we begin to look at, did we already read it? What now is he using in our life to have us turn around and to get lost in our flesh? Is it a coworker? Could it be someone at home? Could it be that bill that we weren't expecting that came in the mail? Could it turn around and be that last failure that you had in your life that says that this is never going to work? Could it be the, fat, the, the last five failures? Could it be the divorce? Could it be past relationships and the wounds that have led that says that you're not loved anymore? Can it turn around and end up being just the idea that you're feeling lost and you have nowhere to go and that no one is there for you? For every attack that the enemy attempts to place, there's scripture that speaks against it. But if we don't have the word of God, if we don't have our sword, then we have nothing to combat it against. And as soon as we lay down our weapon, close your eyes for a second. Imagine yourself in battle. How much common sense does it make to actually place your weapon down while rounds are being fired at? Keep your eyes closed as you're thinking about this. You're trying to find cover. You're looking at, you're looking at barriers and walls to get under and find, see where your enemy is attacking. And you have the sword of the spear, but yet you're going to drop it and start to get caught up in the rounds that are coming about you. Go ahead and open your eyes. Because as soon as we lay our weapon down, the next thing to go is our armor. See, the armor we're supposed to stand in the midst of battle. But now the armor is just being pelted and attacked and attacked and attacked. And the enemy works to use areas of weakness within our flesh. 
in order to attack us. The more he can get us to take off our armor, the more our eyes are off of God. And the more our eyes are off of God, henceforth the distractions, we're out of the game. As a matter of fact, you're all at sick bay. Some of you are AWOL. Absent without leave. You're gone because you don't realize that you're still a part of the army of God. Enemy will turn around and use fear. I love it. We look at things of fear, false evidence appearing real. Second Timothy 1 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Yet, if we begin to look at our circumstances and take our eyes off of God, we can get distracted and lay our sword down. Enemy may want to use anxiety. This is why in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, he told us not to be anxious for anything, but in all, every situation, in prayer and supplication in the spirit, make our requests be made known unto God because we serve a type of God that when we ask whatever we, things we ask for, when we pray, as long as we believe, we shall have it. That's the type of God that we actually serve. Yet if we don't have our sword that we're operating with, we can become subject to the attacks really easily. The enemy has a purpose and it's to go ahead and to steal, kill, and to destroy in John 10.10. Yet God has promised that we would have life and life more abundantly. The enemy wants to turn around and to have you look at past failures. And within those past failures to say that you can never recover. Or you are not worthy right now to come back to the kingdom of God. Or the enemy will begin to try and tempt you with ideas that you have to fix yourself up first before you can come back. And while you're trying to fix yourself up, you're getting further and further away from Christ. So much to the point where you may not even realize how to put your armor back on. Have any of us ever seen, take a picture of this, we can be operating you know, so much to the point where we're so lost that when you try and put on the breastplate of righteousness, it falls to your feet. You know, and you got like the helmet of salvation that's like cinched onto your belt walking around. And someone looks and says, what in the world's going on? It's because you're trying to live in this world all on our own, trying to figure this out. When God never intended that in the first place. This is what the enemy will turn around and do before you realize, before we realize that it will ever happen. Yeah, the enemy's lost this battle. He knows it, but he's formidable. And if we're not careful, he will confuse, discombobulate. He's done it to many soldiers that we've lost where they have left much potential in the cemeteries. So the question is, what are we going to be led by? Because the enemy knows that his target is to attack after our flesh. We have spirit and flesh. Spirit he cannot defeat, but flesh he can and we're the only ones that can put him in a position where he can have power over us by laying down our weapons. 
Ladies and gentlemen, children of God, we have rules of engagement. It's important to understand. These rules are going to tell you what you attack and what you cannot attack. So we've all been deployed to reach lost souls. Let us not forget what the purpose of our mission actually is. Purpose of our mission is remembering that the world is yet to see what Christ can do with the church that's totally committed to unto him. It's to reach those lost souls because those are parts of the body that are missing. Because people are, have these talents and gifts and purpose that God has put inside of each of us. And some of those are not being fulfilled right now. They don't know just who God is yet. It's our job to go out there and to bring them into the body. So when we turn around and we look at, again, Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So let me be clear. Children of God, you are not authorized to kill those that we are out there to save, no matter what they do to you. We are not authorized to retaliate, no matter the lies, no matter how we're offended, no matter how we trusted and gave so much of ourselves and then we were hurt. Because it's not about the flesh. Again, we get distracted. It's not about the flesh. The flesh just carries what's in the heart. They're just following along. Go to Romans 12, 19 through 21. Our commander gave us clear instructions on what we should do when we're offended. So, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay Says the Lord, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap leaps of, heaps of coal on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but, be over, but overcome evil with good. So our mission is really clear. Hearts and minds. And when we attack... We attack anything that has, is, goes against the knowledge of God. But as for the people, it's hearts and minds. So when we look in Ephesians 6.18, we pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's important to understand that in the last of this battle, as we're engaging, it's with the word of God and it's in communication with God and in prayer. And if we lose our communication with God, which is our, our clear way to turn around and understand this battle, this is when we're lost. So how in the world do you turn around and protect yourself? And protecting yourself means you're focused. Because this operation is about being focused. It's about turning around and saving souls. So God has, number one, given us everything that we need. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, you can look at through verses 4 through 7. 
Number one, never lay down your weapons. We can look at Romans 12, 1, and beseech you, brethren, therefore, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is but our reasonable service. We have to constantly not only be in the word, holding on to our weapon, but we have to be in communication and constantly working to make sure that our flesh is in subject to the spirit because we know, as, our, as Paul has already stated, that our flesh and our spirit are at war with each other. And we have a choice on which we're going to follow. We know that when we choose in our mind, our hearts and our minds follows after the flesh, it leads to death. And it is always hostile to God, which means that we can never please God. But when we are allowing our hearts and our minds to follow after God, it leads to life. Wear your armor always. Wear it properly. How crazy does it make to turn around and have your helmet of salvation be on your kneecap? What good is it doing right there? What good does it do to turn around and to get going, to prepare yourself to be on a journey and you're not wearing shoes, but you're about to go on a rough road? What sense does it make to turn around and have the breastplate of righteousness and then choose to go out to battle where darts are flying all over the place attacking and you choose to have it in your hand instead of on you? And how do we have it on us? We have it on us when we're in the word of God. We have it on us when we're in communication with God. We have it on us when we're reminding ourselves of who God is in us. We have to stay on the right frequency. What frequency are you actually on right now? This is why Ephesians 6.18, it tells us to uh, stay in the spirit and to pray and to stay in communication with God. So much to the point that when we're praying, the best way to improve or increase the reception is to turn around and to make sure that we are, one, increasing the time that we're praying with God. The more we do it, the more clear it becomes. Two, your sword has this funny second purpose. It's like an antenna. When we begin to pray the word of God, Guess what happens with our prayers? They become that much more clear because we're praying the word of God. We're praying his promises. We're praying what God has already told us he has in store for us. We begin to pray his heart, his mind. This is how we stay focused. This is how we avoid the attacks because the enemy right now sees the power that God has placed inside of each and every one of you. So he is looking to isolate. A lion isn't looking to turn around and attack a herd. He's looking at that one antelope, that one wildebeest that's limping, that doesn't exactly know where they're supposed to be. What's your weak point? Our job is to stay focused. Next, we begin to ask... Wear your own uniform. What sense does that make? Number one, wear your clothes, but wear your own uniform. Your uniform has a purpose. It provides not a disguise, but it provides 
an appearance that allows you to fit in with a specific group. In the Army, we could tell those who were in military intelligence when we were deployed because they weren't wearing a standard uniform like everybody else. They had khakis and a t-shirt on. We could tell those who worked in a hospital because they had scrubs on. They were still camouflaged, but they had scrubs. You could tell the MPs. Well, God has a specific uniform for each of us, and it's in the gifts that he's placed inside of you. What is your gift? So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, God has called for each of us to operate in the gifts that he has portioned out to us all. What is your lane that God is calling for you to actually fulfill? And when we begin to realize the lane that God has called us to fulfill, and we're doing it in line with the word of God, then when the time comes, and believe me, it will come, that we're in heavy battle and we need specific resources, we're prepared to call on you. Or is this going to be a situation where when you get called on, we're grabbing our breastplate of righteousness, and we're grabbing one shoe, we forgot the other, and we're grabbing our belt, but we can't find the buckle, and we have the strap for our helmet, but not the helmet. Are we ready is the point. And we're ready by what we do on a daily basis. Whether we're under attack or not, it's conditioning our spirit and conditioning our walk, conditioning our life. Let's not get mixed up. The battle is already in front of us. So, it's not complicated. The battle is already won. It's not complicated. We have an enemy that's out there. And it's not complicated. God is looking for us all to do with what's already been done for us. Despite our sins, despite our sins, Christ died for us. Despite all of our mess, Christ has an unconditional love for us. Even after we were saved, Christ continues to accept and accept and accept. This is what we have been called to do. But we have a responsibility in order to fulfill that specific, that specific mission. We need each and every one of you to be doing your jobs. And the enemy realizes that. So he is out to take you out one by one. And our job is to stay focused. And we stay focused by knowing the truth and never being moved by the lies. Believe me, the lies are out there. It's all over. All you got to do is turn on the TV. All you got to do is just go ahead to the movies. All we got to do is turn around and just get up in regular conversations in our society, and we see it. We see the hate. We see the anger. We see destruction. It's happening all around us. We see the hurt in our own lives. So as we look... Where are we at today? Are you in a situation where we can come on up? Are you in a situation where we're looking at 
man, I, I'm, wearing my, I'm wearing the armor of God. I got the sword of the spirit. But you know what? I'm not using it to its full potential. I know there's situations where I've been battling with lies and I choose not to look at the word. I turn around and choose not to look to God. Yeah, I see it. Maybe this is a situation where we turn around and we look and say, man, it's been so long right now where I've missed God. I mean, to the point where I know I've been coming to church week after week, month after month, year after year. And I hear the word, but I don't believe it. I can't believe it because I'm looking at my life. And my life says everything contrary to that God's in control. I know it's supposed to be better. I'm looking at other people. Everyone else around me looks a heck of a lot better than me. That's another lie of the enemy. Sometimes it can be so much to the point that your entire life is just the lie after lie after lie. Some might be in that state where we're looking and saying, yeah, I hear you. Pastor Jason, listen, I hear you. I hear you. I'm working on it. I'll be back in a few weeks after I get myself together. Christ has been looking. And he's saying, yeah, we'll be picking you up with a stretcher. You can just come back right now. That's what? We got sick bay where you're not being judged. You're just being loved. We just want to get you back in. Maybe some of you have been operating and we're literally been working with others and we've been operating with a judgmental spirit. And we realize that, man, I have not been showing that love of Christ that was shown towards me. And some can turn around literally and look and just say, you don't realize that you even have access to the word of God. You don't realize that you even have access to the sword of the spirit. What in the world is this about? We don't even have access to this armor. You're just out there living. Don't even realize you're dodging. You know, you're just out there. And we're hurt. This is a time that's set up where we can come. And it's a time that's set up where we can avail ourselves to God and just say, hey, Lord, I need you to be in control. See, the commander that we have, you don't have to go through 90 different people as part of the chain of command to access. There was one. And what he did is he sent his son to die on the cross. And when he sent his son to die on the cross, that blood that was shed was so powerful. Because of all the choices that he made in his short life, it was so powerful that it made us righteous. We're not righteous by what we do. We're not righteous by any decisions that we made up here. It's only by the blood of Christ. There's nothing we can do to ever earn that, but it's available for you. 
That righteousness, that blood, that righteousness of Christ is what saves. It heals. It heals. It heals. It causes us to be who allows us to now be who our creator called us to be. Because in Acts 17, God said that um, in Acts 17, God turned around and said that he had predetermined our destinies. He even knows the boundaries of your territories long before you were known to this earth. But he did it. He set this all up. You know, this purpose that we're looking to fulfill, he set it all up so that we would seek him. He wants us to seek him. That's what we're here for now. So whether we're looking and saying, I just need to use my weapon. (laughs) I got to use my weapons better than what I've been using them. I got to turn around and figure out how to get this uniform back on because, man, I'm kind of all out of sorts right now. And I've been embarrassed so much that I've been hiding. Or, hey, listen, I'm just outright lost. I don't even know where the camp even begins. The altar is here for you right now. There is no shame because we've all been there. There's nothing to hide from because this is where we operate with love. This is what Christ did for us. If he can do it for me, where even after being saved, I can still be in positions where I had to turn around and straighten my life out with God, where I was down and depressed in basement for 18 days, straight, leaving my family. If he can do that for me, he can do that for any of us. What he wants to do is he wants to turn around and have you choose not to reach out right now. He wants you to choose right now to stay quiet. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkland Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.